Podcast listeners, welcome back to the Kofkin Bond show, I guess, but we're on podcast 39, um, and we have a great story today, a bit of a follow-up from a previous podcast, um, that being Leo. So, Tony, look, I'll hand over to you for the introductions, um, but pretty excited for this one. We are. Um, we had podcast number 13 was Leo Mameso, and Leo, for those of you who remember, because it's actually the first podcast that we posted a second time. Uh, spoke about his young two-year-old daughter being in the back of the car whilst he was having a panic attack and driving to the factory at two in the morning to make sure all the electricity was off. And whilst uh, young Clara slept perfectly and didn't have any idea of what was going on. So today we've actually invited young Clara to come and make sure all those stories that Leah told are actually true and accurate. <laughs> so <laughs> number one. But secondly, also because Clara... You are a influencer and over a few lunches with your father, uh, he has said he doesn't get it. I've said, well, we're both in the same age group because I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> but in saying that, though, it is a serious, uh, well, it's a serious business um, and it's also, you know, can be quite lucrative as well for those who do it. So for us and our listeners from a marketing perspective to get a bit of an idea of being an influencer, what that means, how you monetize and things like that. So um, it's today is about getting to know you, uh, getting to know everyone's already, already heard of young Clara, but now we've got adult Clara uh, <laughs> sitting here in the room as well. So I'm going to hand over to Jamie because he understands some of these questions a bit more than I do as well. But I want to sincerely thank you for coming in today as well. Thank you for having me, Tony. I really appreciate it. So, Clara, look, this is going to touch on a few points today, um, and I guess from that little girl you've grown up and not, probably not getting much sleep anymore um, <laughs> by going off the resume that I'm holding here, but let's start. What are some of your early memories growing up with your father, and I guess when he was starting out and all this was going on, we sort of talk about the young two-year-old, but what sort of some of the memories growing up are the hard times? Yeah, well, my parents separated when I was quite young, um, and I remember... A lot from when I was young, to be honest. Um, I was living half-half with mum and dad and my mum was living in Housing Commission at the time and my dad and I were living in Pascaval. Um, oh, I remember my mum and dad fighting and, you know, all of that before they kind of separated. Um, but I do remember when dad, I was I was at St. Fidelis Primary School and dad pulled me out and put me into Lowther Hall. Um, and I kind of remember those really late night <laughs> trips to the laundry where he'd kind of, I was half asleep and he'd pick me up and put me in the car and, um, you know, drive me there to make sure everything was fine at three, four o'clock in the morning. Um, I'd spend most of my days when I wasn't, at kinder, um, driving around in the van while dad was doing deliveries. So um, I kind of, I still do remember all of that. Um, and um, it's something that I probably will never forget. Um, and when I was kind of old enough to make the decision, I did move with dad full time. Um, and I still see mum and I still saw mum and she took me to school and stuff. But um, dad was pretty much my primary caregiver and he still is. Um, he did all my school fees, all my uniform, my school books. He used to make my lunch every morning. He used to take me to dancing and singing lessons and anything like that. Anything that I ever wanted to do, he was the one that kind of paid for it, but also supported me and did, 
everything that needed to be done and did what he could to kind of get me through primary school as a single dad. Yeah. So I guess as that child, can you remember it being hard or was that just life and, and it didn't really worry you in that sense? Oh, look, it's it's a funny one because I was having this conversation with my stepmom the other day when we were putting up the Christmas tree. We look around the house and look at what we have now and look at where we are and look at how much success has come to dad and that hasn't come without hardship and, and heartache and a lot of hard work. Um, but I guess back then that was kind of the norm. But looking at how far we've come as a family and how far dad's come since I was that little girl in Pascavale and we were living in the unit and um, that kind of thing um, is it's a it's a huge change for us and it's a testament to how hard dad's worked over the last 15 years to get us to where we are and to be fortunate enough to live the way we do at the moment so yeah it, it was hard um, I think it was more hard for me because of the fact that mum and dad weren't together and when you're young you don't really get it and yep. mum was a little bit off the rails to say the least so I kind of relied on dad all the time and my nonna, my grandma um, and my aunties and stuff um, and they were always kind of looking after me so I had a really strong support network on my dad's side um, which made me the woman I am today I suppose but yeah it was hard but I think looking back now we've come a long way and I'm really proud of my dad for that. Yeah, so before we get into, I guess, what I will also doing. state that your dad is also very proud of you. <laughs> so it's uh, without any doubt. Actually, just touching on that, did that work ethic that your father had, uh, do you think that rubbed off on you without knowing that the lessons being taught? Yeah, I think it did. Um, I think now as I'm, you know, I'm nearly 21, I'm kind of coming into my own and, and working out who I am and who I want to be and it's become very apparent in the last year or so that me and dad are really different. Um, emotionally, I think we're really different people um, and we see things in different ways um, and we argue and we bicker and we don't always get it, but I think um, the work ethic and, and kind of working hard to get to where you want to go, I think he kind of instilled that in me in a really young age. Mm. So, yeah, I do think that that is something that he's taught me that I really value. Yeah, I think sometimes there are lessons that are being taught and you just don't realise it because it's, yeah. it's the norm. Yeah, yeah. So, so growing up in that entrepreneurial house, but in saying that though, your father had a very strong work ethic and worked very long hours, but he still made sure that he was always there for you and yes. supported you in the things you wanted to do. Yeah, I never so felt... So he wasn't a distant parent in any way? Is no, I never felt like he wasn't around. Like when I look back, I don't ever think... That he wasn't around when I needed him or that yeah. he was at work when I needed something from him. He was always there for me, even yeah. though he did work a lot and there was a lot that went wrong and that kind of thing. He was always there. Yeah, I know. Probably I didn't realise until I became a father myself and I was a youngish father. But the effort, like, you know, with me it was swimming. So Dad had to get up at 4.30 in the morning to take me swimming. I just saw that as normal. Uh, all my life uh, yeah. until I actually became a father myself and I was like thank god my kids don't want to do rowing or swimming <laughs> so, yeah. so. I think I've been told that before make yeah. sure you don't do rowing or swimming cut them out <laughs> any other sport go. fine so yeah so, yeah, so you, you tend to appreciate that a lot more as you're older but you have uh, become a very goal-driven successful young lady in your own right thank you yeah so it's uh, which Jamie will touch on here well I guess let's get into what you're up to now um, I want to start with w what you're studying I guess <laughs> for me it sort of covers 
covers a broad range. Um, you have dived in straight into a double degree, so a Bachelor of Law and Media and Communications. So I look at that as that's covering a lot um, and, and trying to fit all that in. So how, how have you been handling, I guess, doing both degrees? Yeah, so I decided to do that because I felt like I wanted to do law, but I was also really interested in uh, journalism and, and speaking and, and that kind of thing. So. Um, and I was always really good at English, so uh, for me that was the perfect combination leaving school. Um, until I learned that it was a five-year degree, full-time, um, and that was kind of much easier for me in the first couple of years when I was doing it. Um, it's kind of hitting me a lot harder now, over the last year. Um, the law subjects are becoming a lot harder, and um, if I'm honest, they don't come as naturally to me as the media subjects. Um, I tend to understand them a lot more and uh, apply them to everyday life a lot more because they're a lot more common sense based, um, whereas the law stuff's a lot of reading and a lot of discipline to kind of problem solve and understand the theory and the technicalities behind what you're actually learning. Um, so it's hard to manage both degrees. Um, you're meant to do four subjects a semester, which is a huge amount of work. Uh, so last semester I decided to go back part time. Uh, and the reason I chose to do that was I just felt like if I lessened the workload, I could absorb it better. Um, and I mean, there's no point going to uni if you're not learning anything or you're not taking it in. So for me to cut one subject off, um, I've been able to kind of absorb everything a lot better. Um, I will probably go back full time next year because every time you go back part time or you cut a bit of the workload off, it just adds more time to the degree. Um, so. Um, yeah, I just think I just have to power through the next two years. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely felt that when I was studying as well. I think I cut a few subjects and then ended up adding time. Once I started working yeah. and you know, trying to study, it's hard. It, yeah. becomes, it becomes a bit annoying. But I guess with that, you are doing a lot of other projects um, by going off this. So I guess let's start with the influencing. Um, there's sure. some other things. But uh, when did you start sort of looking down this marketing and media, media avenue? Sorry, can I just interrupt for one moment? Sorry. Sorry, if I can just interrupt for one moment, Jamie. For the 50-year-olds that listen, yes. uh, can you explain what influencing <laughs> is to start with? Yeah, so uh, on a general level, it's basically um, having a, a following on a social media platform, whether that's Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or anything like that, um, and basically having enough of a following and enough of a pull with your audience to promote products. So it's just um, a new way of marketing um, products and services. So um, I use Instagram as my main kind of platform to do that. Um, and that kind of started for me maybe two and a half years ago, nearly three years ago now. It started really authentically. I didn't mean to do it. Um, I just kind of found that people were responding well to what I was posting um, and I never really thought that I could kind of make money from it um, but it just kind of grew in a really natural way and then I started taking it a little bit more seriously and started to understand that I could actually make money from it. So how do you monetize that then? Yeah so um, basically in its most simplest form we get approached by brands via email or um, through private messaging through the platform um, and they will either offer us a product or a service for free in exchange for promotion, so posts or 
um, that kind of thing, um, or they will pay you an amount of money um, to make those posts. So that's in a nutshell how you kind of make money from it. Yeah. So you, I guess, when you're starting out, is it exciting? Can you remember the first product that reached out to you? Oh, I think the 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 most exciting one and one of my first ones, I got a Daniel Wellington watch. I got one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I got one of them for my birthday. And actually. I was really excited <laughs> because I knew um, how uh, big their brand was on a global scale and, and uh, how successful they are as a brand. And I love watches, so I was really excited about that. That was probably the first one that I thought, yeah, I can make money from this and this is actually kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. And so have you kept an ongoing relationship with them or is it sort of you're sort of doing that sort of one post per product and moving um, on from there? I keep a, I like to maintain a pretty good relationship with the brands that I work with. Um, I find that there's always new e-commerce businesses popping up um, and a lot of them like to get their hands on influencers. Um, so if they see a trend running, for example, the teeth, the teeth whitening kits, yep. um, you know, once one brand blows up with the teeth whitening kits, there's like a thousand other brands of teeth whitening kits that will all approach you. Um, so I think it's really about being selective with who you work with. Um, and I think I've definitely grown out of a lot of the brands that I used to work with. Um, if they approach me now, I probably wouldn't work with them. I'm a lot more selective with the brands that I work with because I wouldn't promote something that I don't genuinely um, support or something that I wouldn't use. So um, I do like to maintain a good relationship with the brands that I've previously worked with, but if I find that I'm not using their products anymore or I've found something else that works for me, I won't take the deal just for the money if I'm not using it anymore. Yeah, so you keep, so with that ongoing relationship, you're always in communication and when they want something, they'll reach out. Um, do you ever reach out the other way to sort of say, hey, you know, I'm loving the new new product that you've got. I'd love to sort of look at it or? Um, I don't really do that, to be honest. Um, for me, I don't really like the look of influencers reaching out to people to get things for free. Yep. Um, I think it's probably not the right way to go about it. Um, I think if a brand um, has noticed you and they think that your branding, your personal branding aligns with their brand, then they will reach out and they will want to work with you. And if I do want to try something, then I'll just buy it myself. Yep. Um, and I promote a lot of things on Instagram that I don't get paid for, that I have brought with my own money. Um, if I think that the product's good and I want to share it with someone, then I will, um, irrespective of whether I'm getting paid for it. Um, yeah, I know there are influencers that do reach out and ask for free meals or um, free accommodation or free teeth whitening kits or whatever it may be, but I don't personally think that's the right way to go about it. Yeah, you know? so I guess the algorithms changed through Instagram. Um, a big one, I guess, for people that don't really know the products well is they got rid of likes. Or You, you could yes. still like it, but it wasn't displaying how many people had liked it. Yes. Has that hurt influencers or...? Oh, look, I think it's... It's a good thing for us. Um, about two years ago, the Instagram algorithm changed dramatically where um, for Instagram to make more money, they were basically saying to everyone, um, listen, everyone's going to see your posts less unless you pay Instagram $5 and we'll put your posts at the top of the feed so more people see it. So if you weren't paying for your content um, to be sponsored. So if you weren't paying Instagram to sponsor your content, um, you were getting a lot less engagement and they changed that so they could make more money. Um, kudos to them, but 
bit crappy for all the other influencers around that made money off that. Um, so our engagement's gone down a lot in the last two years. Um, with the likes situation, I think it's better for us because with the change in algorithm, the likes um, kind of went down as well. Um, but I think now um, the platform kind of focuses more on the influence and um, the community aspect of the platform as opposed to how many likes or comments someone's getting. So I think it's actually quite hard to measure the influence and pull that an influencer does have on their audience because um, it's not really measured by likes, you know. Um, I think the likability factor of people is a big thing on Instagram that's really hard to measure um, and that you kind of can only gauge by looking at what people are posting or how people are um, engaging with that in terms of comments or, or follows and I don't really think the likes are all that important these days to be honest. Yeah, it's actually finding genuine interest and genuine Yeah, engagement. Yeah, I think that's a main thing. One of the things which I find interesting is if we go back um, when I first started in this industry, and one of our clients was the founder of Osterio. Yes. So you got your Triple M, things like that. And I remember when they Triple M approached us probably 20 years ago and was speaking to us about advertising on the radio. And basically they would say, here's the demographics and here's the audience and here's how much it's going to cost per advert. Whereas nowadays, and then of course that's a scattergun approach. It's, you know, sort of a shotgun approach where you're hoping somebody hears it and actually rings. Whereas nowadays brands will go to you because of your audience. So it's actually, they know that if you've got 14,000 followers, they actually know that that's the audience that they actually want to target. So it's very specific for them. And I would also then suggest probably cheaper for the brands to actually have that specific approach rather than doing a TV advert or a TV commercial or billboard or something like that. Is, is that a fair comment? Am I on the right track here? Yes, it is. I think um, if you look at Facebook advertising, um, it's quite a, a technical sphere and not something I'm a thousand percent across, to be honest. But um, we have done some Facebook ads in the past and Facebook um, allows you to really hone in on who your audience is. Um, so you can actually target your ad specifically to people who like these pages, who follow these people, who are this age from this suburb in Melbourne. Um, it's similar to what influencers do um, because you can actually kind of um, reach a really specific group of people um, for a lot less money. Mm. Um, it's actually cheaper, um, a lot more authentic. Um, it's a lot more creative too. I think um, you can kind of be a lot more creative with the content that you're putting out. You can do tutorial videos, you can do, um, you know, a, a podcast and you can actually upload the podcast on Instagram. You can upload photos and there's so much more um, available to brands in terms of content creation and therefore pushing that out to their target audience as opposed to just um, this really broad kind of channel like um, TV commercials or, or radio ads and that kind of thing. Mm. So with, I guess, your background in you developing this yourself, you're into a new business adventure, um, I guess, girls trade. When did this all come about? Yeah, so I was, I became a part of girls trade late last year. So it's been um, about a year now that I've been working um, with the team on girls trade. So um, we... What is girls trade? Yeah, yeah. so, <laughs> yeah, so we have a, a Facebook group at the moment that's been around for five years um, and it's got 50, nearly 55,000 members um, and it's all 
women from predominantly Melbourne and uh, we have decided to launch an app based on that Facebook group, um, which is a buying, renting and selling platform for women. Um, and there's four of us in the team and we are nearly at launch now. So it's been in development for the last year and we've kind of been fine tuning everything um, since late last year. So we are nearly ready to go, which is exciting. So it started as a Facebook group. You've moved on to advertising through Instagram though as well. So are these the two platforms that you're holding on at the moment as well as the app? Yeah, so we, uh, I started up the Instagram for Girls Trade basically to connect girls to the brand. Um, because I am the director of marketing for Girls Trade, for me, the brand strategy and uh, the branding of the actual business was really important to me because if nobody knows what Girls Trade is or what we stand for or what we're about, nobody's going to download the app when it launches. So um, I've been actively pursuing the Girls Trade Instagram for the better half of the last six months um, and really gotten girls on board so that people know what we stand for and who we are. Um, and we are actually using um, our girls from our Facebook group that are also on Instagram to promote the launch of the app. So. Um, in the way that... So they're influencers themselves? Yes. Well, not really. Yeah. In this context, they are because in the same way that brands contact me to um, work with me to promote their product, we're doing the same with other girls that actually are already using our Facebook group that are on Instagram and we've kind of decided to target micro-influencers. Um, so that's people that have, say, less than 10,000 followers um, to promote our app when it launches because they're already familiar with the brand and the product and they're already and they use the and they use yeah. the product already yeah. yeah so for us that was a comfortable choice and and we know that all of these girls already support us so um, it was a way in which we could kind of ensure that the content they were creating to promote the app was genuine and authentic and and really organic so it was better for you to target those people that are using it and spread the word that way than sort of just reaching out to one large person saying, hey, you know, please advertise and sort of all your money spent in the one spot. A hundred percent. I think it, it's a testament to the fact that our brand is really genuine and authentic and, and we've kind of positioned it that we want to be friends with the people that are using our platform, not above them, you know, this big giant corporation that's better than the people that are using it. We didn't want to be that. We wanted to be really relatable. So using um, girls that actually do use the product and that are relatable um, was a big thing for us. Yeah. And the actual product that you sell, you don't keep any inventory? No. You don't so, have a physical store? So, no. Yeah. So the app is a third party, basically a third party platform. So it connects um, girls that may have renting businesses or girls that are looking to buy clothes or sell clothes um, to other girls. So um, gives them the opportunity to kind of expand their clientele, um, but also to buy secondhand or, or sell their clothing. So it's more like a marketplace. And you take a percentage. So we, we charge a, a transaction fee. So one of the issues okay. that we have at the moment is that we, through our Facebook group, can't really provide people with an avenue to ensure that the payments between the girls are kind of safe and, and secure. So if girls get ripped off or things are lost or stolen or girls aren't getting paid, we don't really have a say and can't really do much at the moment. So the payment system that we've implemented into the app actually allows girls to take a bond payment um, that 
um, gets held and can be released once the transaction um, has been done. So we take a transaction fee um, for implementing that system into our app to ensure that girls aren't really getting ripped off and that um, everything is really nice and secure. And all payments go through you? Yes. Okay. And so it does, it does give both sides that safety aspect. Absolutely. So yeah. will it still work, I guess, essentially like Facebook Marketplace where these two girls will meet up um, to trade the clothes or is it still sort of giving them the option to you can either meet up or you can post out or it's going to yeah, make so security around that? We give the girls the option to meet up or do postage. Um, at the moment, we are targeting our app launch to Melbourne only um, because we do want to kind of get the girls that we already have on board, which is... 55,000 onto the app first before we kind of branch out into other states and obviously other countries. Um, So for now, we do offer the meetup option and the postage option, but in the future, I'm sure that will change and um, become a little bit more uh, safe and sophisticated. But for now, it works and it's um, done well, so we'll keep going with that for now. What type of numbers would you like to see in respect to members of the apps? I mean, you've got 55,000 on Facebook now, and the first image that came into my head was Marvel Stadium filter capacity <laughs> and trying to get out of that stadium at the end of a football game or a concert. And I think, wow, 55,000 people is huge. But, I mean, obviously with technology, there's no real capacity on that? Um, look... I would love if the whole of Melbourne was on the app the day that we launch, you know, um, <laughs> that'd be really nice. It's a free app. I'm yeah, it, yeah, it yes. is. It is. It's free. So for us, we want to try and get the whole Facebook group onto the app, um, as well as everyone else in Melbourne. Um, <laughs> look, yeah. honestly, um, I've been working on it for so long that, um, to have a, a number or a statistic is really hard because, um, I could say, oh yeah, half, you know, half the Facebook group on the app within the first month, but then I think, oh, is that realistic? Am I being biased? You know, so it's hard um, to put a number on it, but uh, we've already got a bit of traffic on the app because it's in its trial stage at the moment. So we've got a select group of girls that are in the Girls Trade Focus group. There's about 500 in there um, who are all testing and trying the app at the moment. So we've already got some stuff on there which is really good um we would just like to kind of see a bit more of that once we launch so as well as your double degree uh <laughs> influencer uh page uh director of marketing yeah. uh here and um also do you still work part-time in the law firm in Werribee? i do so i work at a law firm at the moment part-time and i'm also working at dad's ice cream shop part-time okay so or dad and stepmom's yeah. ice cream shop uh, tony's promised me he's taking me out there one day soon yeah uh, he hasn't taken me <laughs> yeah. out because I'm, I'm a big ice cream man so as, as am i yeah it was promised that he would take me out soon so, so you are certainly your father's daughter when it comes to work ethic oh look um for me I'm really trying to kind of save money while I can. I'm still living at home. So um, for me to be able to save and either use that money to travel or or kind of give myself a bit of independence is really important to me, mm. um, especially over the last few months. So um, now that uni's finished up for the year, um, I'm working a bit more and, and it kind of, I make it work for me. So mm. um, being able to work late into the night works well for me because I um, can work at the law firm nine to quarter past five and then at the ice cream shop, five thirty to 11 and that for me is a good piece of time where I can make a bit of money, so it's good. Mm. And now just to add on to all of that as well, I did go to one of your charity events. Yes. Uh, as well, so it's, um, and that charity event was supporting you in the uh, Miss World Australia. 
yeah. pageant as well, which you were quite successful in this year. Yeah. Would you like to uh, give a bit of feedback on that? Sure. And if you're too humble, yeah. I'll add, I'll add <laughs> no, to So I guess when did, when did it actually start? When did you, have you been doing pageants your whole life? Or? Oh, um, I started when I was 16 or 17. I started when I was 17 a few years ago. Um, and Miss World approached me to do one of their pageants. Uh, and in the first year that I competed, I didn't make it past the preliminary round. Uh, and now this is my I think, third year that I've done it. Uh, and... I placed fourth in the country this year, which was really bloody exciting for me because um, I absolutely love doing it and I probably won't stop until they kick me out because I'm too old um, <laughs> or until I win. Um, but I love doing it and the charity aspect of it is a, is a massive component. So I've been doing the fundraising for the last um, couple of years. So um, in my first year, I raised like $50 and then my second year, I raised 3000 and then in my third year, I raised 6000 So every year I'm trying to raise more and more money for Variety, the children's charity, which is a, a really great charity um, that I'm more than happy to support. So every year I do a, a charity event and um, dad's really supportive of that and he um, really gives me a hand in terms of um, helping me find a venue or, or that kind of thing. And um, I'm really grateful that Teresa, who works with Dad, um, owns um, a pub nearby where she kind of helps me with catering and food and, um, and that kind of thing. So um, I get a lot of support with that, which I um, am really grateful for. Mm. So what's your skill? Do you have to, does it still, I, I'm not sure, I'm not too down uh, pageant. Are you, are you <laughs> yeah. singing? What are we doing? Yeah, so um, at nationals, you can do talent. And I've been singing since I was little, so I like to bring out the big guns and do that uh, which actually won this year which was cool because I was sick before I left so that was that was a good thing for me um, and they also do a, a social media section where they judge you based on um, how well you promote the sponsors um, Miss World every year gets um, certain sponsors that give us products and, and stuff to help us um, through our journey and through our competition um, and we're so grateful for our sponsors because they do a lot for us and um, give us a lot of stuff so um, it's how well you promote them and you also do a, a question and answer segment which is like global issue kind of questions um, you do an introduction you do your evening wear so it's, it's a lot of different components um, kind of smooshed into one I'd say yeah so you think about are you 21 yet I'm 21 in a couple of weeks, so no. Okay, so <laughs> I hope you have a wonderful birthday. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, so considering that you're about to turn 21, uh, fourth in Miss Australia, uh, yes. Miss World Australia, Director of Marketing of Girls Trade, which uh, undoubtedly will be a huge success. Thank you. Double degree in... Um, in law and media and marketing yes and also helping out at the family's gelati store in Werribee yes and working part-time in law yes <laughs> I think I should stop uh, complaining about having to come in here an hour early to study every morning shouldn't I yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, you were busy this morning so I didn't want to interrupt you no <laughs> I did ask you to leave <laughs> so, <laughs> Jamie second I talked to you I said no no <laughs> so that was my short answer yeah so but it's it, it's it's an outstanding first 21 years uh, of your life and what you're actually 
not just having had achieved, but continuing to achieve. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely outstanding. So Clara, we appreciate your time today. Thanks um, for having me. And we can't we can't wait to get this out. Me, me and Tony actually becoming influencers now on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> you should. Habit. You it's, really should. My it's mum, a great my, my mum's listening. My sister's listening. <laughs> Tony's listening six times to it. So we're building that's a right. That's it. You're getting <laughs> it. I push our numbers. I mean, there. I listen to it. So yeah, that's yeah. that's a start. We actually. Yes, no, you have liked a number that's of right. them, and, not, and not just Leo. You actually have liked a number of we're, on, we're on an, We actually are on an upward projection, so I do like that. Slow and steady wins the race. That's right. Yeah. So we do appreciate your time coming Thank in today. Thank you so much. And it's been a pleasure to have you. Thank, Thank you. you.